everyone. It's Heidi Trost from Voice and Code. And on this episode of Human-Centered Security, I am talking to Gabriel Friedlander from Wiser. So Gabriel was one of the first people that I reached out to when I started this cybersecurity journey. So naturally, I wanted him to be one of the first guests on the show. And I think you'll quickly understand why. Gabriel was one of the first people I heard talking about empathizing with the end user when it comes to security. So on this show, we talk about really taking a different approach to security, having the user in mind. Gabriel believes that security awareness should be a basic human skill. We talk about storytelling and how important that is. We talk about organizational culture and the role that that plays. I think you're really going to enjoy the show. So without further ado, here it is. So... Gabriel, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, I started my career about 20 years ago now, um, back in Israel. I moved to the U.S. about seven years ago. Uh, prior to moving here, I founded a new, another company called Observe It, which is what led me to the U.S. We opened here our um, U.S. branch. Uh, Observe It was a company that dealt with insider threats. So that's what we were doing and dealing with, you know, all type of things that people are doing inside the company. Usually it was not malicious, but it still put the company at huge risk. So we were monitoring and alerting and reporting on out of policy behavior, which the company grew. I bootstrapped it and it grew and I moved here to the U.S., and recently, we sold it to Proofpoint, which was really exciting to see, you know, how the company evolved into this big player. I think we're the, we were we are the leader in um, in insider threat. It's something that many many years ago was really hard to talk about. People didn't even want to, you know, hear about insider threat. We don't have that thing in our company. It's you know. We believe in and we trust everyone blindly. So that obviously changed uh, the past few years and it became a, a huge topic. So we began and became the leader in this space, which basically led me to eventually starting Wiser, which is the company that I'm running today, which is more around teaching people how to um, stay out of trouble for their personal life or for the company and to make sure that, you know, they won't get hacked or scammed and so forth. So this is what we do today at Wiser. Yeah. One of the things that I found really interesting was that you've been dealing with user behaviors for mm -hmm. a long time. So what did that transition look like? Like what, what did you take from observe it and to move into Wiser? In so I took a lot because I was I was dealing with user behavior on a, on a daily basis. I was seeing what people are capable of doing, and you know what? Usually the intention is good. They and it also has to do with culture. You know, like people want to get the job done, and when the processes don't fit from a culture per point of view, they it's more important for them to do what they've been you know tasked to do and to get it done uh, efficiently and to, to, make a, to, to do a good job. And if anything stops them on the way, they have to be creative. That's sort of like the mentality that people have. And therefore, 
if you know they want to send a, an email with a large attachment and they have i don't know a, a customer uh, that is waiting for that file and they're not getting an, a fast response from the security team they will just use their own personal account or they will put it on a dropbox or they will just you know how we say get shit done you know that's the mentality and because of that they're putting the business at risk so that's something and i think it mostly has to do with not appreciating the risk you know it's more a, it's more because they were never really taught why it's risky they think you know google is safe right we're talking about one of the biggest companies in the world so if we're going to put it on g drive it's probably more secure even than our own hard drive in inside the company so that's sort of the mentality so they're doing their own risk assessment and they're making decisions based on that and they're putting the company at risk so and that happens you know too often shadow it is is a big thing and today when people are working from home i think it's even worse you know like everything is mixed now um you're using the same network that you're using in your home environment and you're sending files through email to your printer so there's a lot to do there in order to change people's you know behavior it's all about habits at the end of the day. Yeah, culture was one of the things that I wanted to make sure that we touched on during this podcast. And I think it was in a, a, another podcast that you had done that I was listening to and, and how you spoke about how an organization's culture really plays a huge role when it comes mm -hmm. to information security. And that really resonated with me because I've seen that in, in a lot of the organizations that I've worked with and, and the people that I have spoken to. Um, I've done some research, especially when people started working from home and trying to really understand what people's mental models are, if they had changed now that they had started working from home. Um, I don't know if they have changed so much as, as the, you know, one of the key learnings for me was just that people, they feel so estranged from the IT department. And like you said, they start making these information security decisions on their own. And that's a huge problem. Um, so I would love for you to talk a little bit more about, you know, the role that the organization's culture plays when it comes to information security. I think it's it's huge, right? Um, the, here's the thing. There are so many ways to get scammed. We can't teach everything. It's almost impossible. Um, we can't deploy all the technologies in the world in order to keep our safe, our, ourselves safe. Culture is, you know... It's, it's the foundation, I, at least for my opinion, for security. You know, I'll give you an example from today. I posted about it. You know, uh, my kid loves sharing with me these stories, you know. Um, so he's got a SoundCloud account and, you know, he loves sharing his music. And he got an email from somebody that wanted to promote his music. And that person referenced uh, his friend. So if, if he didn't think too much about this, you know, he would probably say, okay, he knows my friend. It looks legit. Let's click on it. You know, let's talk to that person because he got it from somebody, you know, everything like worked out well, right? He's on SoundCloud, his friend, he knew the, the guy knew the, his friend's name, all of that. So, uh, but my kid, you know, is a little bit more secure aware because of me, right? So he called up his friend and his friend said, yeah, I gave, I gave your information to that person. 
he's he was thinking that he's doing him a favor. So my kid, you know, checked that link. I think he used virus total or whatever. He found out this was a phishing scam. But again, it's part of culture that, you know, like because it's something that I talk about at home, I created that mentality that you just can't trust by default, right? And you have to verify. In this case, even after he verified, it still wasn't legit. But culture is what helps to, you know, save us in this case. And it starts at home. This is something that I always talk about how, you know, security culture starts at home. Because this is the type of scams, right, that you cannot also teach about SoundCloud. You know, like it's crazy. You cannot say, you know, here are all the SaaS solutions and this may happen and that may happen. We're going to be like, you know, learning forever about security. But when you do apply some techniques and it starts, like I said, at early age, hopefully, if we can teach our kids that, and it becomes a second nature. So even though he was excited, he called his friend to verify. It looked legit, but he still called to verify. So those type of habits protect protected him and, and us as a family, you know, because it could even easily have been turned eventually on me, you know, and 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 on on the family. So I think culture has a huge role to play. We can't just teach people about, you know, check the header of the email, hover, you know, hover over the link. We have to teach people habits, you know, good safety habits. And as part of developing a security product, the way we differentiate ourselves is that we believe security starts at home. And therefore, we create a lot of content that has to do with, you know, securing your family. And we teach that. And our expectation and, our, and my hope personally is that companies that do use Wiser will take advantage of that and see that as a benefit for their employees to teach their families about how to stay secure. And that's where culture starts, you know, when it becomes a second nature. Yeah, those are really great insights. And I hadn't really thought about it that way as you really have to teach people the almost like the life skills, because there's no possible way that you could tell them every iteration of social engineering or, you know, the next new way that, you know, the uh, cyber criminal, you know, the next new method that they're going to use, you kind of have to teach them the tools, you know, and the different tactics to identify something that just doesn't feel right, you know, and then what do you do from there? Yeah. You know, the thing is that criminals, they don't attack our technical skills. They they attack our emotions. So the question is, you know, so he got excited maybe, you know, right. seeing that thing. Yeah. Everything worked out. So this is what they're attacking. You know, they're they're creating credibility. It's a good thing, you know. So act fast. Um, it also can happen with, you know, they can scare you to death. Whatever it is, it's always about emotions and act fast. Uh, and credibility. Those are like the three pillars, right? Like we have the authority, uh, you have to act fast, and it has something to do with emotions. Usually these are the things that, you know, if we learn how to spot them and we can just, you know, take five minutes, let the emotion settle down and think about it, I think that can do, that can go a long way in protecting ourselves. Yeah, tying it back to culture, I was thinking 
about the idea that if your boss emails you in a lot of organizational cultures, you know, you stop what you're doing in that second and you do what the boss tells you in that email. Um, but we're for information security, we're kind of asking people to, all right, I don't care who you think emailed you, take a, take a pause, take a second and, and really think critically about what is being asked of you. And, and is this credible? I think that is a hard, hard thing for some organizations to confront and overcome. Yeah, because it's behavior, right? Like right. the IT team and the security team are usually more technical. They're not behavior specialists. So they're trying to teach technology, which is great. You know, here is how you can be fooled and this is what you need to check. But the underlining, you know, the underlying things that you really need to um, to tackle is manipulation on emotions. And that's that's hard. You know, not everyone understands that and knows how to um, educate people on or even ask them to change behavior. You know, it's not easy to ask for people to change their behavior. It all starts with like, why should I change my behavior? You know, we have to start there. Well, I don't think we're also doing a good job with that. You know, people know there are cyber criminals out there. They know there's a chance it will get hacked and they still don't care, right? So like, we, we, there is a gap there, right? We have to, first of all, you know, cross that gap. Yeah, sometimes clients or colleagues will say to me, well, users just don't care. Or even sometimes like the CEO doesn't care, you know, if the CISO is trying to get the CEO to do something. Mm-hmm. And I wonder what you say to that. I think they, I think they do care. Just the stories they're being told are not always relevant. You know, if you if you talk to an employee about how important it is to protect the company, yeah, that's you know makes sense. That's logical, but not emotional, right? When you talk about how important it is to protect your family, then it becomes emotional, you know? So let's say you talk to a CEO and let's say that CEO has money or whatever, and we give them examples how they are actually a target and how likely they will get personally hacked and how easy it is, I think they will start to care. So it, it, and again, they do care about their company, but they're just doing, you know, one plus one. And, you know, if it's a small company, like, why would anybody want to hack our company? We're still, a, you know, we're still a startup. We're small. They're better. Again, they're doing their own risk assessments. They don't understand the why. You know, why would anybody do that? But, yeah, well, but a personal attack is something that, oh, you know, if I have a lot of money, yes, maybe I, I can see why somebody would like to attack me. But the thing is, they don't understand how it works, how all of these things work. You know, it's like they're not necessarily being targeted, right? right. It's, it's like I usually say that criminals think like marketers, you know, they just use the same techniques. You are sort of, that's what we call fish, you know, like a net is spread. There are phishing links everywhere on social media, um, ads, a lot of, you know, a lot of legit looking ads on Facebook and Google and honestly, on all social media platforms are scams. You know, what stops a scammer from putting an ad? You know, people assume social media is protecting us. You know, they probably know how to filter this out. Nobody thinks how, you know, that no, you know, it's it's something that just people don't think about it. And again, it's really about what are we telling 
people. If we go back every year when we do the same training, you know, hover your link over, hover the mouse up over every link, you know, look at the header, look at the from. It's, you know, usually we'll do that only when we suspect. The question is, how do we know when to, you know, do we do that for every email? Like if I see an email from a CEO, do I check every time? You know, is it a realistic expectation? Every email I receive ever to check. Maybe we want that, but is it a realistic expectation? And is it easy to make people do that? You know, even if we ask them, will they do that? I'd like to segue into um, into storytelling because that's kind of, mm-hmm. we started to talk about that, but that's kind of the approach um, that Wiser Training has. It's, it's mm-hmm. telling stories. And then you, you actually have the stories, the Wiser Stories mm-hmm. feature or, you know, piece of that. Can you talk a little bit more about that? And like, what was the impetus or the, you know, what made you think about storytelling and and how do you make it effective? Sure. You know, there's so many great conversations on social media, especially, you know, I'm, I'm very active on LinkedIn and there's a lot of stories that we tell each other. And I was looking at that and I was like, you know, I wish people can join the conversation that are outside the security, you know, uh, domain, because we mostly talk to ourselves. And what we decided to do is to, you know, add up so many conversations that are going. Most of them are technical, I would say, you know, about a specific Mm -hmm. hack and attack vectors and all of that. But every day, you know, we go and we we find discussions that are more relatable to the average person, you know. Uh, how somebody fall for, fell for a scam and what they can do about it, about smart devices, how to shop safely. You know, we have a lot of those type of conversations. So the idea was to let's, you know, let's curate, let's, you know, pick out of the social media, let's pick the conversations that are relevant to the average person and then bring them in into Wiser and make that optional content where people can basically read those type of stories. And, you know, people, we see that, you know, people like those stories because they're relatable. They're helpful. You know, they're not mandatory training, but the fact that you're providing your employees with content that is, you know, updated daily about security events that can impact them as well and what to do about it. And it's not just from Wiser. It's from like a lot of people on social media. Um, it creates more engagement and it creates the motivation to, you know, read more, listen more, learn more. Absolutely. Yeah. Storytelling is something that I've been thinking a lot, a lot about uh, before I really got interested in cybersecurity. Storytelling was obviously a really key part with some of the user experience initiatives that I've worked on, you know, for nonprofits, you know, thinking mm-hmm. about how we can tell a compelling story so that someone relates to it. and like you said, it continues to engage and, you know, telling a story around a brand, you know, really so much of what I do is, you know, trying to tell a compelling story. So it makes a lot of sense that that would translate to cybersecurity. And in some of the research that we've done, I don't know if you've found this, but I I thought it was really interesting that sometimes people are not so great about their personal cyber security hygiene, Mm -hmm. but when it comes to protecting their family or like thinking about a loved one or helping someone, the story around that seemed to resonate more with them. So like maybe they're not making the best decisions themselves, um, but they're more likely to, to help someone else or uh, to res to 
engage with a story about someone else that was victimized? Um, definitely. You know, that's why, for example, we focus a lot on kids. A, mm -hmm. I think it's a life skill that kids should have. I'm a huge believer in that, and we do a lot of with schools. But what I learned is that people that have kids, you know, are willing to listen more to um, to online safety stories and security because they care about obviously their kids and they want to secure them. So once they learn about that, they also basically learn themselves, right? Because they have to talk to their kids about it. So they now become more involved in the discussion and that, you know, online safety culture in home. So I just found that it's a really easier way to resonate with people when we talk about the risks to their kids. And it's just a win-win, you know, like, first of all, you make the kids more secure. And, and second, the parents are willing to listen more. And then, you know, eventually also the companies benefit from that because if they, you know, if the entire home is more safe and today everyone is working from home, then it, not everyone, but, you know, a lot of people, then it's just better for everyone. Yeah, I, I mean, it's amazing some of the stuff that you guys have produced over the, the past few months that relates to, you know, working from home and then kids um, doing their schooling from home. Can you give any advice to, you know, parents, uh, to businesses, maybe small businesses, especially like dealing with this? Yeah, you know, first of all, again, let's start with, uh, will you get hacked? Probably like it's the, the thing is that if people, people, people don't understand that it's not a matter of like if it's more a matter of when it's just like a lot it's just so easy so they may have not been picked yet you know it's sort of like a lottery and they haven't been chosen yet almost that's how easy it is yeah. um so first of all they have to understand that that they, they definitely need to protect themselves we have made so much content around that we have that on our website um it's just you know this by itself can be you know over an hour to, to talk, you know, just about that. But the thing is, people, parents a lot of times think their kids, you know, or kids think they are technology advanced, right? So mm -hmm. they will probably know how to avoid, um, you know, a, a cyber attack or, not, or on what not to click. The thing is that they are not yet emotionally mature. And again, going back to how you're being attacked, it's more about emotions. So this can happen anywhere. It can happen in a game. We see a lot of hacks uh, performed in a game because there are chats over there. Basically, you're talking to strangers, you know, and you develop that relationship with some people, but you don't know what their intention is. You know, you think they're totally fine. But, you know, there are people that that's their job. You know, they're sitting in a cubicle and they're developing relationships. You know, we see that with dating sites, romance scams, you know, some people, that's their job. And it's scary, you know. So, yeah, just educate yourself. It's, it's, uh, it's something we have a lot of small guides, um, you know, like small booklets uh, that are very easy to consume for small business owners, for families. We even have sort of like a family tech agreement, which states, you know, the responsibility for the kids and for the and for the parents. And 
and so forth. So I really advise to go there and, and check it out. I wish yeah, I could have I really given just like... one, one sentence and to cover all of that, but it's just... Yeah, amazing. no, <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to, to yeah. wrap it in a neat little bow. But what I really like about the guides that you have is that they're tested with with real people like you put them out there and then you iterate on them and improve them Mm -hmm. um so with that kind of segue i'd like to talk a little bit about products you know digital Mm -hmm. products specifically you know you're kind of the perfect uh (laughs) the human-centered uh specimen in terms of this iterative approach where you're all always involving the end user which Mm -hmm. obviously as a ux person that's really important to me so can you talk a little bit about your approach to building Wiser and some of the product decisions that you made to make sure that it was really impactful? Sure. So I think, you know, one of the key things, and I think it's not only in technology, but in general, but we'll, I'll dive in into how this, ha- how this impacts technology is having empathy. You know, you have to have empathy towards the user. Usually we think about empathy in management, you know, we need to listen to people and we need to, you know, um, have empathy towards them. But that also has to do with technology Are you know, is the easiest path, the most secure path, for example, are we going to request them to do something? If we are going to request them to do something, is it simple? You know, is it hidden? Is it visible? Um, the second thing is, for example, with Wiser, the videos are short, short and they're one minute long. It's not only because, you know, people's attention span is short, it's because we understand that they are busy with a lot of things, you know, and requesting from them to do training all the time and sit there and watch hours and hours is basically almost, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be hard. So having empathy, you know, is creating content that fits sort of how they consume content in real life, like in social media. So when we watch stories, it's usually one minute long. We can easily flip through them. So we did something you know, similar. You sort of have control over the content, what you watch first, what you watch next. Um, you can consume it in chunks. You can use your mobile phone. So always understand how users operate and fit yourself into that desired path instead of trying to just organize things from a logistic. You know, sometimes we develop UI, which is logistically everything is organized, but it's hard to find. Like, yes, it is categorized in the right place from a categorical point of view, but users just have a hard time to go there. So develop the product in a way that you're addressing, you know, most of the things they need to do right off the bat. Yeah, I was thinking about this with your recent post on LinkedIn about changing the default username and password on routers. And number one, the user has to know that those credentials exist. I would say the majority of people do not. And then, you know, how do you guide them through that to to make a, a secure password, a secure username and password? And uh, I think product folks really, I, I just don't understand how those things fall through and, and they don't get addressed. I think it's empathy. Yeah. That's what I, I think it's, they, because, oh, security, okay, under settings, you know, it's categorically in the right place. But if you do care about the user and you do care 
that if you understand that behind that username there is a family, right? And you really don't want them to get hacked and you have and you feel responsible, then guide them, you know, during the initial stage. Tell them, hey, you know, you should put a password instead of accepting the default, you know. We need wiser stories for product people. <laughs> I think it's important, you know, product managers uh, need, we usually see that empathy around, around the buying cycle, you know, how quickly we can get to the shopping cart, right, in order to buy. But what about everything else? You know, like, why are yeah. you making it hard, you know? Well, with the the short videos, I think you had mentioned before, uh, or I had read something that you had posted about thinking about them in terms of like maybe little mini advertisements. But, you know, if you think of anything, if you're making a report, if you're making a video, you start with what's the thing that I want the user to walk mm -hmm. away with or the person I'm presenting to to walk away with. And then you work backwards from there. And I think you do a great job with the videos with that. Like, what do they really need to know? And then when you're designing user interfaces, it's the same exact thing. What does the user need to do? What does the user need to walk away with? And then you work backwards from there. Exactly. You know, the more you say in general, the more, the less people remember, you know, it's hard enough to, when somebody says, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, you're, every time you're adding something, you're diluting the message, right? Because now I have to remember two things or three things. So I have to understand this entire concept. And basically, not everything should have the same ratio, right? It's not like if you say four things, it's 25% each thing in terms of importance. But it's not always like that, you know. Take that most important thing, focus on that, and it's okay to leave some things out for the purpose of emphasizing the most important thing. Because, yeah, people just want to squeeze as much as possible in a given amount of time. But then you know, you lose because they don't understand anything you had to say and they don't remember anything. So just, you know, if you want to emphasize something, just, you know, stick to that and everything else you can, you know, hide or remove. It's also with user interface, you know, you can, and we can see Apple did a good job with that, right? They're like, you know, to the extreme, I would say, you know, they're putting, you know, they're taking things out so you can focus on the most important things uh, in user interface you know, we call it clean, right? But essentially what it means is let's, you know, let's focus on the things that are important and not have the users start to, you know, go places. Absolutely. And then I think context is a huge piece too. And I know people in the cybersecurity community building products have talked a lot about context. Um, and I don't know if you have any specific, maybe you have some examples um, or some words of wisdom, but essentially what I mean is that it's in the context of the situation. So if you're about mm -hmm. to um, join a, an unsecured Wi-Fi network, your phone would say, hey, like this isn't really the safest mm -hmm. thing to do. Are you absolutely sure you want to do this? And mm -hmm. that's, you know, something that kind of makes the user pause for a second and, you know, think about what they're doing before they actually do it. Yeah, you know, take for example, training. You know, instead of having people sit down for hours and hours and train them, we can uh, sort of like inject training at points of risk. For example, I'm now setting up my password or I'm for a new account that I'm, that I'm signing up for. Maybe we can show them like a 30 second video of how to create a strong password, you know, because that's the exact, you know, that's in context, that's the right time to do it. Um, 
So I think it's very important to do things in context. You know, it's, it's, it has to be like that. What can I say? It's like, it's mandatory, I would even say. Yeah, that made me think of an example. I, I had been really uh, upset <laughs> or the tooling with like the conundrum of why big name tech companies didn't force users to enable two-factor by default to enable or to force users to set up multi-factor authentication. And no one really had an answer for me. I don't know if they just misunderstood what I was asking. But finally, someone, um, I think it was someone over at Hyper, they have passwordless authentication. I was listening to a podcast and he said that it was like less than 8% of Gmail users have MFA enabled. And if you go to set up a Gmail account right now, it does not make you mm -hmm. set up to, it doesn't even mention two-factor. And I was just blown away. And one of the reasons why is because the product team believes that it introduces friction. Absolutely, And people yeah. aren't going to continue uh, signing up if, if you make them enable it. Mm -hmm. They're right. So, this is exactly why. You know, it's adding friction. And at the end of the day, companies compete with others and it has to do with you know getting as many people to sign up for your service so if you're now going to add this you know two-fact authentication you're going to see you're going to see a drop that's for sure the question is you know and that's a long-term vision what's your brand about right like yes in the short term you're going to probably lose uh, signups but you can brand yourself as a more secure alternative for email or for or for CRM or for whatever you know whatever you're using just by doing that and in the long term i think you're going to win you know you're going to win more people that will come specifically for that but unfortunately when you look at you know KPIs and that's what you know a lot of companies look on a daily basis like signups and marketing and all of that they look at short term you know KPIs instead of looking at long term you know branding and i think with you know gdpr and all these privacy policies that we have today things are changing and i really hope that you know we'll see more and more companies start to take the you know privacy by default or secure by default i think you know the first ones that will do that we will see you know i think they're going to win because that's a big differentiator today so uh but again you know those kpis that when you do that it's sort of like changing almost your go to market when you do that you will see a drop you know the next day you make this mandatory for sure the question is do you have the courage to do that for long term and you know differentiate yourself yeah it kind of brings us back to culture right mm -hmm. i was thinking about the the folks at Basecamp. i don't know if you've heard of their new email platform hey but i'm pretty sure i'd have to go back and double check but i'm fairly certain that one of the that they do require mfa um, when you sign up for the account and, you know, I don't think that that service is for everyone, but they've kind of drawn a line in the sand and said, this, this is what we're about. This is who we are. And this is important. Mm -hmm. But like I said, they probably started from scratch doing that. The question is, well, you know, companies like Google and the big players that, you know, most people use 
will they, you know, go and do that? You know what? They could even have advised that on during the setup and you can say skip, you know, but they don't even do that. They don't even give you the option to do that. Yeah. And that's what surprised me is that, you know, it's one thing to, I, I believe in giving the user control and freedom to make their own choices, security or otherwise, but at least give them the choice. You know, most people, there are plenty of people out there. And I know this because I've done research with folks who don't even know what multi-factor authentication is. Yeah. And here's the thing, you know, we talk about it again and again, and we think everybody knows about it, but they don't. Just the fact that for us, it's something that, you know, we obviously know. Um, it's, it's still new, as surprising as it may seem, for a lot of people. So we have to keep on, you know, saying that. Saying it once, you know, sometimes I ask myself when I post content, should I post about two-factor authentication again? Come on, you know, like everybody <laughs> should know about it by now, you know. But, you know, if because I care, I do. I talk about it again. And, and what, what I'm really happy is that other people, you know, are commenting and expressing how, how important it is. And they also report repeatedly do that. You know, it's not the first time they commented, but the fact we keep on saying that is, is very important. You know, we're just, you know, one player, but hopefully the more people say that it's, it's hard to get to people and they have to hear it multiple times. So this is something small that we all can do, you know, talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like you said, empathize with the end user. Don't make assumptions about what they know and what they don't know. Exactly. So to kind of wrap us up here, what do you see as some of the biggest challenges facing the information security industry? I think uh, there are, so crime in general, I, again, I don't have statistics, but from the way it seems to me is moving at very fast pace from offline to online. So we're seeing more and more of that. And it's becoming, you know, it is a huge business, but it's becoming even bigger. People that have been staying at home um, for different reasons. There are people in different countries that are taking advantage and, you know, are criminals from home, I can say now, you know, something mm -hmm. like that. And it's just growing rapidly. And with Things like misinformation and AI and, and all of that, it's just becoming harder and harder for, for everyone to, you know, know what's true, what's not true with deep fakes and all of those technologies are being used by criminals, you know, they have better tools than ever, you know, if we used to spot a phishing scam, it's becoming harder and harder they are uh, perfecting it, you know, at scale. And that's what's really scary. As we see, you know, marketers and social media advancing, criminals are advancing at the same pace or even faster sometimes. They're using the same tools. They are, they have bigger resources. They can offer things that marketers cannot offer because they're not, you know, planning to basically follow through on their promise, right? They're lying in their ads or whatever. So they can create more attention to their scams than ever. And like I said, it's everywhere. It's misinformation, it's scams, it's scandals. So unfortunately, I don't see this going away in the near future. And I think all this advanced technology 
is making it even harder, which leads me to think that I don't think technology can keep up with that, to be honest. I think it's almost impossible to think that we're going to solve this problem with technology only. So I really hope more and more people understand that it's just a shared responsibility. You know, you have to, you have to learn the, you know, basic, you have to make it a basic life skill, you know, online safety. Yeah, I was just going to mention that because it really just ties back to, like you said, that security awareness should be a basic human skill. And yeah. it sounds like that's really the only way to tackle this huge problem. Look, you know, with deep fake, it's it's becoming so good. And we're just at the beginning. You know, we're talking about times where... There are even there are even like virtual influencers today. You know, there are influencers that are not real, totally virtual, that have millions of followers, and are making millions of dollars. I'm talking about like virtual accounts on Instagram and other places, and these are virtual influencers. So we're probably going to see, you know, in a few years from now, we're going to see. Maybe, you know, even acting will be virtual. You can take a, you know, you can take anybody and put a face on them, you know? So it's, it's just crazy where we're heading. So how, when you don't know what's true and not true anymore, how can you, how can you identify, you know, what's a scam, what's not a scam, unless you have those instincts. You know, when I was a kid, I used to, when I went down, you know, I was hanging out on the street, you know, it was before iPhone and all of that. I used to know how to spot trouble and walk away from it. You know, it was mm -hmm. instincts that I developed. Yeah. Today, you just can't do that in the virtual world anymore. You can't spot trouble. So how can you walk away? That's a, I think that's a great way to, to wrap, wrap up our podcast. So what's next for Wiser is my last question. Um, just from a feature perspective, you know, we're always adding things, but we have a very long way in front of us in order to hopefully move the needle, you know, and, and make the world safer, hopefully help, you know, people learn how to stay safe online. This is, this is our mission, uh, that, online safety will become, you know, a basic life skill. So we have a lot, a lot to do with that. Uh, and that means a lot of partnerships and collaboration with schools and with content creators. And it's, it's really exciting. It's just, it's, will, you know, there's so much on our plate and it's not really about features. It's about, it's about always checking if we are making an impact. That's sort of what we're always, you know, asking ourselves. Did is is what did we develop something that has an impact on people? And do people care about what what we developed or or what we're offering? So this is something that you know will always continue this this you know constant checking and making sure that we're making an impact. Yeah, I love hearing that. So if someone wants to get a hold of you or if they want to learn more about Wiser, what's the best place for them to get in touch? So wiser-training.com, wiser with a Z-W-I-Z-E-R-training.com. That's our website. Um, I'm also active on LinkedIn, Gabriel Freelander. You can find me, follow me, connect with me. And, you know, I love talking to the community over there. Um, the community, our security community is amazing. Like you said, 
a lot of the content that we're creating and the different features and all of that is based on feedback we're getting from people on mostly LinkedIn for now. Um, so this is stuff that I really enjoy doing. So reach out to me and uh, yeah, let's talk. Great. And the majority of your content is free and it's not behind a, mm-hmm. you know, a wall. You don't have to give out your email address. There's tons of resources on yep. YouTube. So yeah, for folks who just want yep. to learn more. Um, that's part of the vision. Resource. Yeah. yeah. That, you know, go back to like, that's our mission and that's our vision. So that's where we're making a lot of content free. Well, thanks so much, Gabriel. I really appreciate you taking the time and loved talking to you. I enjoyed it a lot. Thanks.